our planet Earth home spins around her sun and tilts on her axis as she spins, moving us now in our northern lands away from the sun's rays. The days become shorter, the nights longer. Temperatures cool and we light fires and boilers and put on more layers of clothes. And we gather together with others as people have always done, to bring one another good cheer, to support one another, and to rekindle connections forged by love. And so we gather here on this autumn morning, bringing as we must do all the stuff of our lives, those joys, those worries, our emptiness and our fullness, our happiness and sadness, determination and uncertainty. It's all here with us now, for we carry life with us, precious cargo and great burden, as it may feel at different times. So I invite you to take a moment to acknowledge to yourself how you are feeling at this moment. We might think of the journey that's brought us here and not just our modes of transport, interesting though they may be, but the life journey that reminds us that it's worth getting up and gathering with others and that life has much more to offer when it's shared. And let's remind ourselves this morning and in so doing remind one another that all are welcome here. Whoever you are, however you are, Whatever has brought you here, let's encourage each other to be who we truly are, here in community, one with another. So let me welcome you all to Essex Church and to this, our community of Kensington Unitarians, created not just by you who were with us this morning, but also by a goodly bunch of podcast listeners around the world. And together we're exploring a theme of living with darkness in keeping with this move towards autumn here in Britain. And as I light our chalice flame, simple reminder of a worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community, may it remind us of our need for both light and dark in life. We cannot have one without the other. The, uh, the Greek myth of Icarus, who flew too close to the sun, is a famous story. But until recently, I'd not realised why young Icarus and his father Daedalus so wanted to escape that island of Crete. They'd been summoned to Crete by the infamous ruler, King Minos, who needed Daedalus's inventive expertise in order to build the labyrinth, the maze, deep beneath his palace in which the Minotaur was hidden, the dreaded monster which had to be fed a regular diet of young men and women. King Minos would not let Daedalus go because only he knew the secret of that underground maze and how to escape from it. No. 
Daedalus and his son Icarus would have to stay on the island of Crete for the rest of their lives. Living in luxury, it's true, but a prison still it was for them, for the door to their apartment was locked each night and a guard watched over them. Poor Daedalus. He'd look longingly out of his window and he became very attached to the birds which would swoop down to collect the seeds he left for them. He studied their brilliant colours, their clever feathers, their ability to soar over the seas. He longed for their freedom and he looked at their wings. And it's understandable, isn't it, that Daedalus's inventive mind came up with a plan. Do you know, those generous birds agreed to leave Daedalus a feather or two in exchange for the food that he gave them. And over a year, enough feathers were collected to make the two most magnificent sets of wings you have ever seen, sewn together with strands of wool from their blankets, huge wings that spread out like a fan. Well, some of us know what happened next. Father and son fixed those great wings to their shoulders with wax from a candle, and soon they could be seen flying high above the island of Crete, out across the sea. Daedalus and Icarus had escaped from their prison, freedom at last. They say that only those who have been imprisoned can truly, truly know how sweet freedom is. No wonder then that young Icarus, just a boy, felt so exuberantly joyful to be up there flying in the sky. No wonder then that he forgot his father's warning not to fly too close to the sun. And we all know what happens when wax gets too hot. It melts. And so it was that the wax joining the wings to Icarus's shoulders melted. I know what happens. You know what happened next? Don't tell them all. Keep it a secret for now, because it's so sad. What happened? He fell. He fell. He fell into the sea and was never to be seen again. Now, you may hear this story told sometimes to remind us humans not to get too full of ourselves. Don't fly too close to the sun. But the tale of this father's and son's escape has many other themes to explore. I remember that Daedalus lived on, that he had managed through his own inventiveness to escape from the horrible King Minos. I think in a week here in Britain where attention's been focused on the plight of refugees, maybe this week, this story of Daedalus and Icarus can remind us of the courage it takes to flee from oppression and the dangers that people undergo in order to know freedom. Let's not forget that. Thank you. This, um, this week marked the 50th anniversary of the uh, Abavan disaster, which some of us are old enough to remember. Um, if you're not from this country, you might not um, know of, of what happened to a small Welsh village near the Merthyr Tydville. Coalfield, a village that had huge slurry tips up on the hillside above. 
and on the 21st of October in 1966, tip number seven collapsed, slid down and engulfed the village school and a number of houses. 116 children were killed, 28 adults. Accidents do happen, don't they? But this event at Avavan was marked by distressing attempts by the coal board to deny responsibility and to cover up what they knew. Many uh, expressions of concerns over the years had actually been ignored. And through the people of Avavan's horrible suffering, improvement in health and safety rules were finally put in place and more enlightened attitudes emerged towards the problems faced by survivors and the need for counselling after traumatic events in this country. So at the end of our time of prayer and reflection, I'll, I'll ask you to stand or to sit in silence just for a minute to remember the people of Abfan, the living and the dead. So let's pray together. Let's, let's join our minds and hearts together. In it, join together in our yearning for a world of greater compassion, greater love, greater truth and honesty. This world is not how many of us would wish it to be. We may feel disheartened, even ashamed, that humanity cannot live more harmoniously, it seems, cannot resolve problems before disasters occur. And many of us carry our own secret shames, or the niggles in our own lives, the disappointments, the times of despair. Let us hold all of this in gentle awareness that life is not perfect, that we are not perfect. This is what it is to be alive. And yet as we each take a gentle, soothing breath, may each of us find a way of settling ourselves in the face of disturbance reaching a place of peace within, a steadiness that can secure us in our times of light as well as in our times of darkness. Because from a steady place within, we can then attend to the work that needs to be done in the world ever aware that our contribution will perhaps be but the tiniest help. Yet just as the birds of Crete gave a feather each to Daedalus and helped him build wings of escape, so too may our small help join the work of others. Together we might bring about changes that our world yearns for. And so I invite you now to stand as you feel able or to sit in a minute's silent acknowledgement of the suffering of the people of Abavan.
those who lost their lives 50 years ago, and those who had to live on with lives forever marred by the disaster that befell their village. And so may we humans learn from our mistakes and find ever more compassionate ways to bear witness to the suffering that some must endure. Amen. Dark and Light, Light and Dark by Jackie James. Black male, black list, black mark. Black Monday, black mood, black hearted. Black plague, black mass, black market. Good guys wear white, bad guys wear black. We fear black cats and the dark continent. But it's okay to tell a white lie. Lily white hands are coveted. It's great to be as pure as the driven snow. Angels and brides wear white. Devil's food cake is chocolate. Angel's food cake is white. We shape language and we are shaped by it. In our culture, white is esteemed. It is heavenly, sunlight, clean, pure, immaculate, innocent and beautiful. At the same time, black is evil, wicked, gloomy, depressing, angry, and sullen. Ascribing negative and positive values to black and white enhances the institutionalization of this culture's racism. Let us acknowledge the negative connotations of whiteness White things can be soft, vulnerable, pallid and ashen. Light can be blinding, bleaching, enervating. Conversely, we must acknowledge that darkness has a redemptive character. That in darkness there is power and beauty. The dark nurtured and protected us before our birth. Welcome darkness, don't be afraid of it or deny it. Darkness brings relief from the blinding sun, from scorching heat, from exhausting labor. Night signals permission to rest, to be with our loved ones, to conceive new life, to search our hearts and to remember our dreams. The dark of winter is a time of hibernation. Seeds grow in the dark, fertile earth. The words black and dark don't need to be destroyed or ignored, only balanced and reclaimed in their wholeness.
The words white and light don't need to be destroyed or ignored, only balanced and reclaimed in their wholeness. Imagine a world that had only light or dark. We need both, dark and light, light and dark. We're moving into the meditative time of our service now. Um, a few words will um, give us some thoughts we might want to take into a time of silence. That will come to an end with a chime from our bell. And then our choir are going to uh, sing to us a beautiful piece by uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. So let's settle ourselves, find a way of being where we can be comfortable for a few minutes. And our words for meditation come from Joyce Rupp, a Catholic writer and poet. And she suggests that we learn to befriend our inner darkness, whatever that means for you. She writes, I gratefully acknowledge how darkness has become less of an enemy for me and more of a place of silent nurturance where the slow, steady gestation needed for my soul's growth can occur. Not only is light a welcomed part of my life, but I am also developing a greater understanding of how much I need to befriend my inner darkness. So I wonder what that imagery might suggest for you. And I invite you to turn inwards now and to enjoy the fellowship of stillness and silence together.
Sweet Darkness by David White. When your eyes are tired, the world is tired also. When your vision has gone, no part of the world can find you. Time to go into the dark, where the night has eyes to recognize its own. There you can be sure you are not beyond love. The dark will be your home tonight. The night will give you a horizon further than you can see. You must learn one thing. The world was made to be free in. Give up all the other words except the one to which you belong. Sometimes it takes darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. We're going to um, sing hymn 27 now. It's another very sweet meditative one. We're perhaps singing it a little early as it's called a winter meditation, but I knew that if I chose this, then it would be a really sunny Sunday. And so it came to pass. So let's sit and uh, sing to each other. Hymn 27, Dark of Winter, Soft and Still.
Well, we've got a sunny Sunday, uh, but we, we know, don't we, that the dark days are on their way. The clocks go back an hour next Saturday night. A night I'm personally very fond of because it gives you, in case you've not noticed, an extra hour in bed. But I know for some it signals the move into winter and a lessening of the sunlit hours. Winter can be tough for some people, can't it? And not knowing can be hard too. We speak of being in the dark about things, don't we? Buddhist teacher Gary Thorpe tells a wonderful teaching story about accepting all situations when we're left in the dark without answers. Once, when the uh, Zen master Tokusan was still a student, he visited his teacher, Ryotan, just before sundown. And they sat on the floor of Ryotan's hut, casually drinking tea and discussing Zen until deep into the night, because that's what Zen Buddhists do. And at last, Ryotan said, well, maybe it's about time you went home. And Tokusan bowed to his teacher and walked to the door. It's completely dark outside, he said. And Ryotan lit the lantern and said, well, why not take this? And just as Tokusan was about to take the lamp from his teacher's hands, Ryotan blew out the flame. And it's said that Tokusan suddenly knew everything that there was to know. Teacher Gary Thorpe goes on to say, sometimes there is no remedy for our situation than to begin from a point of absolute darkness. Turning off a television set and extinguishing a lantern have certain similarities. They are both abrupt and transition-making and can leave us in a different world. In darkness, he says, we're on our own. Perhaps with a similar message, American poet Wendell Berry writes, to go in the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight and know that the dark too blooms and sings and is travelled by dark feet and dark wings. I spent a few days in the Pyrenees at the end of the summer this year and the best bit was to be outside at night under that great sky filled with stars including the Milky Way, the galaxy of which we are such a minuscule part. It has to be dark for us to see the stars. I haven't seen the Milky Way in years. But darkness has many meanings and I'm painfully aware, as I know many of you are too, that forces of hatred, suspicion, anger and untruth seem to be manifesting in our society at present. The darkness of, of rage and oppression lurks in many corners of our troubled world. There are times in life to accept the darkness. But there are also circumstances, aren't there, that require us to shine a light, to create beacons of hope and love and compassion, 
to remind one another that one day it might be us that need that helping hand who require a door to be opened for us or a light to be given. In a week where we remember the tragedy of Abavan, let's never forget that the survivors in Abavan suffered far more than they needed to because of the attempt to cover up the truth and to avoid responsibility. Let's build a world where the truth is not covered up, but instead shines out for all to see. Amen. Let's um, stand as, as we uh, wish and sing then our closing hymn today, a rousing Welsh hymn tune for the healing of the nations, Cumronda. It's on your blue sheet. Oliver writes, Someone I love gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. So may we learn to treasure all life's gifts, even the ones that trouble or confuse us. May we learn from the difficulties and delight in the pleasures 
and be ever more open-hearted in our living this day and all days. Amen. Go well and blessed be.